Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open the Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is July 13th, and our reading comes from Romans chapter 1. Beginning in verse 18, it says this, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Let me just pause and ask the question, why would God be angry? You know, sometimes here at Definition we say, you know, God's not angry with you. And I think, generally speaking, for people that show up at church, the reason they come is they're looking for God And God's not angry at all when we're looking for God, even if we're living in darkness. But here the passage says they know the truth, but rather than acknowledging the truth, they're suppressing the truth. And what is their motivation for suppressing the truth? Their own wickedness, their own lust, their own sin. So rather than acknowledging the truth, they're suppressing it so that they can do what they want to do, and nobody will challenge their moral or ethical choices. See, here's the bottom line. If God is real, then He's in charge, right? And so sometimes people suppress the truth because they want to hang on to their independence. That's what Paul is saying here. And that destroys not only that person's life, but the lives of people they love. And that makes God angry. God is angry about sin because it hurts us and it hurts the people we love. He goes on to say, verse 19, they know the truth about God because God has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. In other words, if you'll just look at creation, you can see the fingerprints of God. In fact, we live in a culture today where many Christians believe that if you're a Christian, you kind of have to check your brain at the door, that all the smart people, they don't believe in God. They're much more scientific in their orientation. They're they're thinkers, whereas we Christians, we live by faith. But is that true? What Paul is saying here in this passage is that if we'll be honest and look at creation, it points to God. In fact, when you look at science throughout history, nothing has had a greater, more positive impact on science than Christianity. And the great thinkers throughout world history and today, the vast majority believe in God. In fact, if you study the Nobel Peace Prize, which is given to a group of people that have had a a tremendous impact in the world, when you look at the Nobel Peace Prize, 65% of the winners were Christians. 21% were Jewish. You know how many atheists? have won the Nobel Peace Prize, only 7%. Let me give you some good news as a follower of Christ. 
all the people who are great thinkers, most have decided to follow Jesus. And those that didn't were honest enough to admit that they were suppressing the truth because they didn't want God to be in charge of their life. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. Listen, in fact, let me say this. This is so important. If you're a skeptic, in other words, you're a person who has questions. Sometimes the church has taught people, intentionally or unintentionally, to suppress their questions. And in suppressing questions, we've created skeptics. Listen, our God is the truth. God is not put off by our search for truth, our search for questions, even our doubt. In fact, God has made the evidence clear, and he wants you to believe. I'm reminded of of the interaction Jesus had with doubting Thomas. You remember this? After the resurrection, Thomas said, I won't believe in the resurrection until I see Jesus myself, until I can touch his hands myself. And sure enough, he meets the resurrected Christ. And Jesus said, look, touch me. See my hands. Look at my side. And then he said, watch, see and believe. So he wasn't put off by his doubt or his questions. He gave him the evidence he needed. And then he said, Thomas, it's time to believe. And so as Christians, we need to live with some assurance that the great thinkers have decided that the evidence is overwhelming for God. If you'd like to read a little bit about this, let me give you just a couple of resources. One of my favorite books is I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Great book. Here's another one, Person of Interest by Warner Wallace. Great book. Another one, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Three great books that'll help you answer some of those big questions. Listen, there is plenty of evidence for everyone who is open-minded to the truth. And let's not suppress the truth. Why? Well, because it hurts us and it hurts the people we love. But then Paul goes on to say this. In verse 22, he says, Claiming to be wise, they become utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious God, they worship idols. And so what happens is when we suppress the truth, we think we're smart. God says, no, you've become a fool and you're living in darkness. And so God begins to judge those who have suppressed the truth. So how does God judge us in modern time right now? There's a coming judgment at the end, right? But how does God judge the world today? Well, three times in the rest of this passage, it says God gave them over. In other words, God judges them by allowing them to choose independence and then live with the consequences of that decision. And there are three big things that Paul highlights. First, in verse 24, it says God abandoned them and they began to worship and serve creation rather than the creator of God. Now, the way we see this in our culture is with addiction, enslavement. Today, we are addicted to materialism, addicted to food, addicted to soda, addicted to nicotine, addicted to our image, addicted to entertainment. We worship. Now, when we say worship, we don't create an idol and put our cell phone on it, but we really live our life as if I can't make it through a day without checking my cell phone. Actually, it's worse than that. I can't make it through a meeting or a conversation with a person without checking my cell phone several times. 
It's like our identity and our sense of security, our sense of value has gotten wrapped up in all of these things other than Jesus. We're worshiping creation when we need to worship our creator and allow our identity, our security, our hope, our joy, our life to be wrapped up in our relationship with Jesus. Then the next thing he says down in verse 26 is he says, God gave them over and they are consumed with lust. And when you look at our world today, it has become more and more and more sexually immoral. We have all these sex issues, all these gender issues, and it is in your face, in your face, more accessible than ever before. And Paul says that's what happens. Now, why is that true? Let me tell you why. Because we're longing for God. And the truth is sex, intimacy with another person, is the closest thing we can get to an encounter with God except God. Why? Because that person is created in the image of God. So when I have an encounter, an intimate encounter with someone created in the image of God, it is literally a spiritual experience. And the reason I feel so driven to that is because I'm longing for God. That is true for all people. So we've got to preserve sex for the institution of marriage between a man and a woman. And we've got to find our longing for intimacy with the divine in our relationship with God. And then the third thing that Paul says is in verse 28. Once again, he says, God gave them over. And then he gives this list of behaviors. Let me describe the list in just a couple of words. It is a rage. It is an anger. It is a frustration. And what this frustration is caused by is I've worshiped creation and I've worshiped sex and I'm still not satisfied. And so now he describes culture and this rage and frustration that we see, this anger and murder and, and the attacks. And you see this everywhere in our, in our culture. And it's because we're longing for God. We've tried to settle that with the world. And no matter how much of the world we try to cram into our soul, it never satisfies And so now I am empty and I'm broken and I'm used and I'm angry and I'm beginning to attack the people around me. This is an incredibly accurate description of modern America. What's the solution? Jesus would say, let's just acknowledge God and let's turn to him for life. Let's not suppress the truth. Let's open our heart to the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to have a relationship with the Father, we come through Jesus. Man, let's open our heart and allow Jesus to lead us into the light, to lead us into truth, and to lead us into life, a life that is characterized by freedom, not slavery, by purity, not immorality, and by joy rather than hate. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your word. I'm just, I'm, sometimes I read a passage like this and I'm just so overwhelmed that here's a book written 2,000 years ago that is so relevant and applicable to our lives and our culture today. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. You have not left us in darkness. You're the light of the world. God, I'm so grateful for that. And I pray for every person listening. Lord, help us to open our eyes to the truth. 
God, I'm so grateful that you've given us a mind to think. And as we think and pursue truth and we're honest about our questions, they bring us closer to you and they settle our heart and soul. They meet the deepest longings in our hearts. And God, as we walk in the truth, as we draw near to you, Lord, we pray that you would lead us into a greater measure of freedom than we've ever known, that you'd lead us into a greater purity, motivated by our love for you than we've ever known, that, God, you'd lead us into a greater measure of joy and peace than we've ever known. And God, that you would do that not only in our lives, but in the lives of everybody in our world. God, this is so important that believers, as believers, this is one way that we can be different and separate from the world, that we would walk with you and our lives would be characterized by freedom and by peace and by purity. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for being with me today. Remember, Before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.